All right, and welcome to another episode of the Lions Guy podcast, where I take on topics in performance and personal growth by exploring the success stories of my guests and their lessons learned. I interview other subject matter experts on topics of performance and growth, and I also review books and other resources to help us all establish clarity, build courage, and lead. I'm your host, Dale Walls, founder of Lions Guide. And on this episode, I've got Elizabeth Gear. And Elizabeth is an international soul alignment guide, energy therapist, spiritual teacher, speaker, and writer. And, and through her practice, Elizabeth shares her wisdom of grounding meditation and energy medicine to help provide holistic guidance. With uh, a master's in clinical psychology alongside the certifications in Reiki, breath work, holistic life coaching, and yoga, she's able to bridge her ancient knowledge with the modern world to help others heal. She brings healing to many through her one-on-one energy sessions, meditation groups, spiritual seminars, and sacred healing circles, along, among with many others. So on this episode, Elizabeth and I talk about what is Reiki, talk about breath work, meditation, and much more and to explore ways to improve our performance and energy. It was a really fun episode. I enjoyed it a lot. But before we get started, if you haven't already, hit that subscribe button now so you don't miss any of our other great guests and content. You know, this podcast is sponsored by Lions Guide. And if you've been tuning in and getting value from the show, then do yourself a favor, go out to lionsguide.com and join our community, The Pride. For no cost to you, it's free. You get access to all kinds of free exclusive content to include yet to be released episodes of the podcast. I've got reading lists out there. I do live virtual events, uh, private online community to engage with other growth-minded members, and much more. Again, it's all free, and it's been developed to help you break out of your rut and on to break through to that next higher level of yourself by establishing clarity, building your courage, and being the true leader of your life. So go out there, check it out, go to lionguide.com, and join today. And that all said, let's start the show. On today's podcast, we've got Elizabeth Gear, who is an international soul alignment guide, energy therapist, spiritual teacher, speaker, writer, and a whole list of other credentials. But you know, to me, she's my spiritual guide. We were talking about before the show what in the house I call you my my Reiki girl, you know, because <laughs> I met you through Jody, who's my wife, who's, who's done Reiki with you. And she tell you, told me what you were doing. I was like, ah, I'll, I'll, I'll try that. I'm, I'm, up, I'm up for an adventure, so to speak. So so we got hooked up and, uh, and I convinced you to come on uh, to talk about this. So uh, it, so so I don't hope you don't mind. I, I didn't want to call you my Reiki lady, right? I don't think I think no, you'd be more mind. offended. <laughs> but, <laughs> Not easily offended over here. I'm trying you to break that habit of calling any of saying the word girl. <laughs> it's apparently a bad thing, but it's just a way. I, I don't know, man. I got a lecture about that one time, so I'm sensitive to it. But anyways, I grew up on the Eastern Shore, so yeah. we yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's it. Away. You know, people talk different in different places, guys around the world. Just FYI, in case you didn't know. Mm-hmm. But uh, Elizabeth, welcome. Glad. Glad you, glad you came on and um, tell us a little bit about who you are and what what you do. Thanks, Dale. I'm glad to be here. Um, yeah, so I run a holistic healing company uh, and studio, and I help people heal on multiple levels through their lives, um, upgrade their energy, activate things within them that maybe had been forgotten or stuffed down and 
And we also heal traumas, you know, in a way that's different. Um, so I'll talk about that, but my background's in clinical psych and I found that the Reiki is a way that people can come in and heal without being uh, re-traumatized as they speak or as they as we work through some of the issues. Like they can lay on the table and we can clear a lot of the um, things that may be causing imbalance in their lives by just them having the energy activated within them. The body innately knows how to heal itself. So um, it, I found it to be a more successful and productive way of of helping people to heal ultimately and uh, step into their higher selves. Yeah. I mean, it's awesome. It's been a really great experience for me and interesting. I'm definitely glad I found you um, and, and, and I've started to dabble in this. Like even, you know, when I'm working with, with my own clients and the high performance coaching stuff, and we talk about breath work, I, I go so far to go meditation, Reiki, these are things that are new to my toolbox. Um, and, and I've been kind of looking to you to kind of help me, um, figure these things out. But before we get into that, tell me a little bit about your background. Like, did, did you grow up over here on the shore? Like, did you grow up here? Where'd you come from? I did. So I grew up on the Eastern shore of Maryland, just outside of St. Michael's. Um, so, and, and I grew up with a pretty normal childhood, um, though I always kind of knew and felt different in some ways. Um, like as a child, I just felt more aware of certain places or situations or people um, than maybe even my parents. Um, they, they may not have seemed aware of certain things. And I just had that sort of awareness. So I think my intuition has always been with me, um, but it didn't really step, I didn't step into that until probably my, my early 20s. Um, so I grew up out in the country, um, in the woods, close to the water. So I feel like that connection to nature has always been strong too. And I, in my later years of intuitive development and then teaching intuitive development, one of the main ways I teach people to ground is just getting out into nature, you know, going for a walk, sitting by the water, getting to the ocean just as a way uh, to decompress, to, to clear. Um, so I guess it all, st I don't know if I should start <laughs> from the beginning. Yeah, roll um, into it. I can. Okay. Um, so I walked into my first yoga class when I was 11 years old, which seemed early probably, or may seem early to some, but it was one of those things. My mom was going to this yoga class at the local YMCA and I went and I was surrounded by like 40 to 70 year olds. And at 11, you know, 40 is old. I no longer believe that way, mm -hmm. of course, <laughs> now that I'm inching closer to that. Um, that's young. Uh, but anyway, they accepted me as, as one of the group. And I always liked being around older, older people, people wiser than me. And I've always had this deep respect for my elders. So um, that was when I fell in love with that practice. I feel like yoga was probably my initial step into it, yoga and crystals back at that age. Uh, there was a local metaphysical shop that I really loved to, to frequent. Um, my dad wasn't always so keen on me, on me. Like he was like, I don't know what you're doing with those crystals, but you know, it's one of those things, um, kind of a religious background with family and that's fine too. Um, I'll get into what I believe around all that later. But, uh, so I feel like that yoga may have been my first sort of initiation into the spiritual world, but I did not know it. Um, I was definitely in my mid to late 20s before I got serious with um, any of my practices. And 
you know, I had that period of time in college where I know a lot of us have, uh, maybe late high school, early college, where there was a lot of partying happening. You know, I went to school in the middle of the Appalachian Mountains. And in that, I did become a bit detached from my truth. I feel like any kind of substance use or alcohol will always sort of detach us from our connection to spirit. Even fast food, obviously, can lower our vibration. But um, I would say my intuition really started opening up for me when I was about 23. Uh, my background from there, you know, I did all the things you're supposed to do. I, I went away to college, got that degree, then got my master's degree. So my master's in clinical psych. Um, I did work as a therapist in that sphere for almost eight years. Uh, and my intuitive senses were definitely being cultivated during that time um, through spirit and through self-development. I was able to learn how to truly like listen to a person, to hear them with a level of depth and presence that I'm not sure I could have learned any other way. Um, So it was interesting to, you know, it was one of those things, as soon as I completed my master's degree, I was like, okay, and I'm quitting my job with the state now to go down to Virginia Beach and learn <laughs> learn Reiki. So um, it was one of those things. But I, but I feel like, and even now in what I do in in soul sessions, it, the the therapy background serves me. You know, in the, in the conversations I have with the people after our sessions, where we're able to discuss and really get to the root of what's um, m- maybe causing any kind of misalignment. That is where that part uh, I think is, is a good foundation to have. Um, so when I was like, I don't know, probably about 23, 24, I started having some very powerful metaphysical experiences, dreams that were foretelling, and I don't know how far I should go in any of this, but the basics are dreams that were sort of foretelling of future events. And, and I think we all, I should preface this with, we all have intuition, you know, the, the more we can tune into it, the more it will become alive and strengthen within us. Like I'm sure you've had someone call you and, and you just know who's on the other end of that call before you look at your, your phone or back when we had landlines and it was, you know, you, you just knew who was calling you um, or you have this premonition about what might, what might be happening or coming. Or even deja vu, right? Like, uh, yeah, I have deja vu a lot and it's weird. <sighs> It's, it's, it's from dreams that have been a long time ago and maybe not like 10 years ago, but, mm-hmm. but not last night. And, right. um, I will have deja vu and I'm like, wow, I dreamt this. Like, I don't know. It's weird. And I don't, it's not something I talk about. I like, like, I don't yeah. go like, cause I just like, people are going to be like, yeah. <laughs> and even Jody, Jody gives me a hard time about everything. It's like one person on the planet never lets me off the hook, you know, when I, you know, say silly things, but, yeah. It, but, but yeah, I'll have deja vu and I'll be like, I, I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. And I, I feel like in my experience of it, one of the first signs of spiritual awakening is remembering our dreams, being connected to that. Uh, wait, I know I had that dream three years ago about what I'm experiencing now. Like, how could that be? And just kind of having or or growing that awareness of like, man, there's got to be something out there beyond <laughs> beyond just what is happening right here for me to have, uh, you know, for you to have had that dream well, years before. It's so, something it's so actually uncanny. Happened. You almost don't want to admit it. I mean. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, it's, it, you know, I, I mean, I, this is going to stump me up all, the whole, this whole conversation because it's just, 
it's so uncanny. I don't know what to make of it. And I'm like, mm-hmm. did that, it's almost like, did that really happen? Like, did, yeah. did I truly, in, in my brain, like my, my brain then starts working on that problem. Like, <laughs> Hey, okay. How did you dream something? And it's not, you know, I can remember, that's when I can definitely remember the dreams. And I'm like, I've been here before. I remember this. I, um, it happened to me the other day. I mean, you probably seen online or, or Jody told you like we got the puppy, but like, I, I don't know, something was going on. And I remember when I dreamt that dream, I was like, hey, we're not getting a freaking puppy. Look at that thing. Like, cause we got a labradoodle <laughs> and I'll have for, been forever. Like we're not getting one of those foo-foo dogs in the house. And right. I remember dreaming that dream and I'm like, well, I know that dreams noise. We're never getting one of those foo-foo dogs in the house. <laughs> and then whatever that like moment was, and it, and, and even it wasn't like significant. It, it was just, we were in the kitchen or something. And I remember I looked down and there's the dog there. And one of the kids was talking about something. I was like, holy crap. Like I dreamt this. Mm. This is that, you know, mm. this is that time I dreamt and said, we're not getting this foo-foo dog. And oh, it's, yeah. it's so weird. And my brain tries to solve for that. Like why, how is that possible? Yeah. And it's more, you know, intuition is a different part of the brain that, you know, there's the right brain and the left brain, but, uh, and some of us who, who, you know, especially if you have a military background or anything like that, or, you know, doctors, nurses, these, these people that are in these, these more cerebral fields, it can be hard for them to kind of pinpoint like, am I, am I losing it? Because that's a little out there for, for what's happening right now, you know? And, but I think the more we just allow it to come and don't grip to like, the how or the why, the more we just sort of trust that it is our internal guidance system or internal, like, I like to see it as like an internal navigation system, if you will. And it just, it guides us and it's, and it, we have to sort of release control and surrender. And I think that can be a big um, hurdle for a lot of people, like us humans, we don't want to release control. We want, we don't want to, you know, loosen our grip on much of anything. So um, I think when we can just at least even be open to to what's coming in, it will flow in more strongly. You know, um, they talk about, we have the four clairs. Well, there's, there's like eight or 10 of them, but the four main ones are, um, that, so Claire in French means clear. And so there's Claire audience, which is, um, Claire. Oh, hold on. Clairvoyance is clear seeing, clairaudience is clear hearing, um, clairsentience is like a feeling, and claircognizance is a knowing. Um, so I just I feel like we all, you know, we talk about the five senses of of taste, touch, feel, you know, sound, all of this, but we also have these intuitive senses that can become heightened. And and like you say, with just that sort of knowing, like you just sort of had that dream or you just knew something was, was coming with that. Um, so for me, going back to the, um, my growing up, it, it, you know, it was a wild ride, especially through college. Like I didn't have any conscious practice at that point or way to harness it. And I think that's where Reiki really, um, came in. Uh, and, and to be honest, like you say, I think there was a part of me that was, um, intimidated by these new senses I had seemingly acquired somehow, um, because they were developing in my mid twenties. And though I thought they were cool, I didn't really invest much time or energy into developing them mostly because, you know, the culture that I grew up in was like, you do the right thing. You go, you, graduate high school, then you go to college and you get your degree and then you buy a house and you, did a, you know, all the things we're supposed to do. Um, but but then what were very you quickly, experiencing? Like, so you said they, they were developing, like what, what were you experiencing? 
yeah. So, um, and I'll get more into it, but I, I, the way that it started coming up for me was in my counseling psychology job. So, um, and again, like you said, I didn't talk about it outwardly, except maybe with my dearest friends. And even then they didn't get me fully. Cause when you're talking about some of this stuff, you kind of feel crazy. And in that I could have shut it down a bit too. Cause it just wasn't, it wasn't accepted. Nobody in my family, nobody in my friend circle were really experiencing this or having these or talking about it, I guess. So it wasn't until like maybe 2011 when I left my state job in Maryland doing the counseling. Um, and then in 2012, moving to Virginia Beach. And in Virginia Beach, there's a really interesting um, place. Uh, it's kind of in the middle of the Bible Belt. And there's a very spiritual hub there of people who, you know, they gather to meditate and they do full moon circles and they uh, are into crystal, just intuition, crystals, all the things that I had always kind of had a draw towards, but never really experienced other, especially adults <laughs> doing those kinds of things. That was more like, oh, you do that when you're a kid or whatever. Um, but during that time, I was blessed to sort of have some time off and space to um, consider what I wanted to do. And the the intuition was coming through to me even before that in, in counseling sessions. I mean, it, well, I don't even know if I should tell that story. I can. Um, so there was one night and this was probably, I was like 25 and I used to, I specialized in addiction. So I was leading a group of probably, you know, uh, 23 people through a therapy group in addictions. And one of my clients came up to me before group. Um, and he, I'm just giving you an example of how it started to open up in a way that kind of freaked me out too. Um, but he came up to me before group and he was talking about, his his weekend with his daughter and how they went to some concert and they had a great time. And this is kind of a long standing couple of months I've been working with this guy. But as he's talking, it's a Friday night group. And as he's talking, we're walking into the group center and I hear him say, my wife and I are getting a divorce and I'm really torn up about it. And I heard it in my... <laughs> In my head, I heard it. Um, and this may be way too woo-woo for this podcast, but I'm just, I'm on the story you asked. Yeah, so I'm telling there. you, um, this is how it opened. And I heard it and I'm like, holy cow, you have had a long week, girl. Like you need to just go home and be done with work for the week. You know, um, I was working, you know, 12 hour shifts at that point. But either way, after the group, so I led the group for 90 minutes and then afterwards there a couple of them had gathered in a room and he comes up to me afterwards Dale and literally tells me the exact same words I heard him say 90 minutes earlier like exact same he comes up to me and he says Miss Elizabeth can I talk to you for a second and he's like my wife and I are getting a divorce and I'm really torn up about it and I'm like oh my gosh like what is <laughs> what is happening right now it, like it threw me too so it was very eerie sometimes the way that I started hearing but then you know uh, my clients in in the field of addictions really they loved me because I was real and authentic and they also knew they couldn't get anything past me um but but in that like if if they came in telling me that they didn't use or drink over the weekend, I could I could easily be like, mm, okay, so now you really want to tell me what you did this weekend because I already know, you know, is that kind of relationship of like, um, it was a therapeutic relationship, but I kind of always knew what really happened without them having to tell me. So I think that's where my intuition, I I honestly believe it started in the in the clinical therapy stuff. Like I just I was 
counseling people and I could hear things that uh, other other therapists maybe weren't getting information on. And, and ultimately, that was just my intuition. Um, there's this book that I found years ago. It's called, you're not going crazy. You're just waking up (laughs) because, you know, like a lot of the same things that would put someone into, you know, uh, a mental hospital would be, uh, you're hearing voices you're hearing, but, but it's a very different, um, like when I hear my intuition, it's a different voice. It's not like my own voice in my head. And it's usually only to serve the person that I'm working with, like in, in service in some way. So spirit, I call it, so God, source, spirit, I call it spirit um, for me. Sometimes I call it God, but uh, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Just having a higher power, I suppose, is I, I, I believe important. Maybe not. You could call the tree. Um Spirit. So that's where it sort of started to open up. Um, and I kind of knew something was happening, but I also, again, didn't know how to harness it. I had never, none of the other, none of my coworkers or my peers were experiencing these things. So I don't even think I told anybody at work that that was, that was happening for me, but they knew that I was also like, I was kind of like the star therapist because like, I always knew what was going on with that person um, without them having to like spill it, you know, in session or whatever. So um, that's where it first started. Um, and then I went down to uh, Virginia Beach. Uh, I was blessed to have some time off, like I said. And just in that time off, I feel like space is so important for us to harness our intuition uh, and so I was able to consider what I really wanted to do. I was living a life in in that realm. You know, everything was fine. I had a good job, a good relationship, a decent house, decent car, all the things that we feel like we need. But I just, I wasn't really happy. Um, and I had known for many years that I would one day have a holistic healing center. I didn't really know what that would look like. Um, but I knew I needed to connect others to their their truth, basically. Um, so there was there was no doubt in my mind that this was my path. I just didn't know the how of that. Um, so when I went down to Virginia beach, I started going to these, um, they call them meetup groups. Uh, and again, we didn't really have that on the Eastern shore here at that time. Um, this is almost 10 years ago. And in that I learned the art of meditation in one of the groups. And I remember clearly the facilitator sort of going around the room one evening after our meditation hour and asking, everyone what they were doing in Virginia Beach. And I said, I was very clear. I said, I came here to learn Reiki. (laughs) Um, And I guess I had always seen myself being attuned um, by a female for whatever reason. Um, And I even had an interview the following week with two female Reiki masters uh, to decide who I wanted to um, be my teacher. Um, cause I was very serious about it. Like I was, I took things very seriously back then in my life. So if I decided I was going to do something, I was really going to, going to go for it. And as I shared this with the, the group instructor, she informed me, she was like, well, you know, there's a Reiki master and native American medicine man named Gray Wolf sitting right next to you. <laughs> um, and I look over and there's this little native American man grinning from ear to ear, long white hair. He's holding like a two foot smoky quartz in his lap and his eyes just sparkled and he emanated this like joy and love. And it just sort of poured out of his being. Uh, and, and I hadn't really been around people like that very often, but, but I've always been able to perceive energies around people and within them. And, um, and when you so say when perceive, 
Like, mm-hmm. are you feeling it? You're like, you're, you're just, so, it's, it's yes. again, your intuition. Like when you say intuition, it's just like a feeling mm-hmm. and maybe you can't put your finger on it or are you seeing things? Like, what are you like, what's that experience like? So I try, I tend to try to keep it in the session room. So I tend to try to be relatively normal in my day-to-day life. You know, if I go to the grocery store, I'm not seeing, you know, people walking around that are not alive and these kinds of things. I'm, I'm not trying to see those things at that time. Um, I tend to be able to turn it on and off, which, which helps me. Um, but when I'm sensing it, it's more like, you know how if you go to the grocery store and you're, you're next to somebody in line, you can just Oh, well, I don't know. Can you just like sometimes feel either that they're going through a hard time or they're just really sort of maybe going through a miserable, maybe they're just miserable um, and they're just, or angry and it's palpable. It's like even just standing next to them, it feels like I can, I can just sense it. Have you ever felt that? It's like a lower vibration that I can just sense. Have yeah, I would say so. I, I would say like, you just feel something's off or mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, I don't know how to explain what you're asking me, but yeah, I, I could definitely relate to that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's part of the reason I was so nervous about doing this podcast is because it's so challenging to articulate like what I actually do into words. You know what I mean? Because it's just energy. Like, I don't know. I just feel that. <laughs> um, but exactly that. So like you can walk into a room um, and children are very, very sensitive to it before it's conditioned out of them. Animals are very sensitive to it. Um, always. Uh, so they can often sense a lot of the things that we, we are conditioned not to feel like, oh, you don't feel that, or you don't pick up on that. Um, but, but children, especially if, if they ever say, oh, I don't want to, to hug aunt so-and-so because she's, she's not good or something. Like I always say, let, let the kid do what they want because they're probably right. Like they're probably feeling something or sensing something that we're just not tuned into. Um, but it can happen. It's funny. Yeah. The, uh, so I had experience with a dog we were traveling and we came across this rest area and uh, we had just gotten a Belgian Malinois and there was this, um, she was a former Marine uh, like myself, uh, this gal, and she had this Malinois service dog. And mm-hmm. so I had two things to go talk to her about. So I went up and talked to her, you know, said we just got a Mal and, and, uh, and, and I saw that she had a Marine sticker and, and asked if she was a Marine, got talking to her. And I said, so, so I see your mouth a service dog. Like, uh, what, what's that about? And she told me that she had some sort of, I want, it's been a few years, but it was some sort of heart condition hmm. that, uh, she never knew she had, but the dog one day came to her and was like, just not attacking her, but like all on her, like showing very much concern or whatever. And yeah. then she had this event again, I wasn't planning on telling the story, so I, I don't have the details, but she, she had some sort of events. The first one she'd ever had with this condition that she comes to find out that she has, but the dog reacted to it before she had it. And, and, and it was not a trained dog. It was, you know, it was just her, it was just her pet. And, um, and she, and once she, whatever happened to her, she went down, she saw medical advice or whatever about it. Um, and come to find out she has this heart condition. And then after the dog was trained to pick up on it. So now the dog is her, uh, warning system that she's about to have oh, an wow. episode. And so uh-huh. that she takes her medicine basically. And I was like blown away. I was like, wow, that is, that is 
crazy. <laughs> like I was like, yeah. you know, just, but it was like when she was telling me that you remember the show, like Lassie back in the day, like I was like mm-hmm. envisioning Lassie, like what Lassie, Timmy <laughs> fell down the well again, you know, like I was, I was envisioning like a Lassie scene, but like, but I could, you know, she was obviously very genuine about it. Like, since she was just telling, telling the truth, you can, yeah, and, well, that's maybe back to what you're saying. I can tell when people are lying, not lying. I, I just, have a feeling about yeah, it, but you, exactly I could tell that. as an example, it was like, she was very authentic and genuine. Um, there was no, um, no controlling your conversation or anything that, that they're kind of the tells in that. And, and so she's explained it to me and I was just like really blown away. I'm like, wow, the dog sensed something going on with you and, and wasn't trained. And now you've gone so far that the dog has been trained because dogs can be trained. I mean, it was, it was wild. It was just like amazing. Yeah. Animals are like one of the biggest teachers for us. Like they just, they are sensitive and open to all their senses and they always, they stay that way, you know? Um, and children too, until they're, you know, as, as humans, we're sort of, we were born with it. We're born very much knowing, you know, if you've ever seen, I'm sure you've seen videos or, or people posting something about like their baby just sort of stares off. Like it's, it's seeing something or, or when they get to be two or three, they're actually speaking about something that they see. And, uh, you know, parents might dismiss that as like, Oh, you know, Tommy's got a, an a imaginary friend, you know, has, that's nothing. But, but if you actually like honed it a little bit more, you might find that he's actually tuning into to some other senses, um, you know, but our culture sort of shuts that down or, um, it's not deemed appropriate or, or whatever. So I think animals can really, they're our biggest healer. At least for me, my animals have been my biggest teachers like, and healers in this lifetime. I, th- I think for we've sure. like, yeah, you're right. Like we've, uh, today, the only way I can explain is we, we've kind of technologied ourselves out of our human, our, our animalistic instincts. Like, yep. um, and I, I, we talked about it before the show. I've, I've read a lot of, about Wim Hof in the last year and, and the things that he's tapped into, like his, autonomous system like he can control his immune system he can control his body heat like these things that that we take for you know just they there's that's the subconscious system kind of doing its thing but he's proven and taught others how to tap into control those systems um which is amazing and and one of the big things with him we talk about like the, the ice water stuff and and the fact that like we don't carry brown fat today, like animals have brown fat, right? Which is their protective layer that keeps them warm, right? You see these deer and stuff in our area, like out in the winter and you're like, you know, like deer doesn't have a thick wool coat, you know, like, like, or whatever, but they have brown fat and, and humans have brown fat too, but we, our body does not produce it because we're covered in technology. And when I say technology, I mean like our clothes, our clothes are a form of technology. We figured out how to make clothing for ourselves but in his book uh that, that kind of explores him um uh what's it uh, what doesn't kill us he talks about like back in colonial days in uh, boston like the native americans would come walking in in the dead of winter into the the um the town or whatever yeah. they're not wearing anything in the in the right. colonists are like losing their <laughs> mind like running up and covering up with the uh, furs and whatever and the, you know native americans like oh yeah well that's cool whatever but he but it was no factor like he was literally out in a blizzard in boston in the yeah. in the northeast and had no clothes on um and and they, there was accounts of that and and they were just talking in fact like we've deacclimated ourselves to nature a bit, right? Yep. Like, so, so now we can't go out in the cold because we don't expose ourselves to the cold. So our body has no necessity 
to create the brown fat that it's fully capable of creating to keep right. us warm in cold environments, right? Yeah. I was reading something just the other day similar to that about sun and how, you know, Americans especially, we were you know, often pale complected and we want to go out in the sun when the first, you know, the first hot day that comes, but you've got to acclimate yourself to that. And ultimately, if you did that, like if you just gave yourself 10 minutes, then 20 minutes, then 30 minutes in in a week or whatever it was, you ultimately wouldn't need sunscreen at all because your skin adjusts naturally and slowly, gradually to the amount of sun that you're getting. Instead, we just, you know, go and, and burn ourselves the first day that we're on vacation and, and don't acclimate. And I, I'm a big believer in that. I, I, and yeah, I don't know. This cool. is this by no means. None of this is medical advice. Don't do anything you right, and I, no. you or I are saying. Right? <laughs> We're not diagnosing or <laughs> yeah, prescribing. Go, go talk to your doctor and lawyer. Whoever you need to talk to, if you listen to us, right? But, um, yeah. but I personally, that I feel that way. I, I, I've been talking about that a lot this last year too about the various cancers. Um, you know, but even like I even say like kind of skin cancer. But I, I wonder exactly what you say. I say you know. We cover ourselves up until we go to the beach or we go right. sit out in the sun and yep. our, our skin has our skin is an organ and mm-hmm. I think our our skin has not acclimated to the intensity of the sun. But meanwhile, right, talking back to nature, meanwhile the sun has gone from winter to summer. Mm-hmm. Our if we were not in our technology, our houses, under our clothes, and we were animals, which we are, by the way. We are creatures of this planet and we are still right. like natural, cre- acting like natural creatures of this planet. We would be exposed to the sun through that period, through, you know, the winter solstice through to the summer sol- solstice. We would be experiencing that uh, sun uh, intensity change. And through that period, our, our, sin- our skin would be acclimating to that. Yeah. But we do not do that today. So I just wonder in my own brain sometimes, like, is this why skin's cancer is so prevalent, right? It was because yeah. our, our organ of our skin is not ready to take that level of, uh, what's it? A rays and blue or red rays and blue rays or whatever it is. Um, like, um, we're not level ready to take that level of intensity in just like the, just like the brown fat thing. Like if we were acclimating to the, the temperature getting cold, right. Our brown fat would be our body would be producing it. And as it gets colder, we would be able to handle it, but we don't, right? <laughs> like we forget our jacket and it's a cold day. And we're like, crap, I'm freezing. You know, it's, it's, I think same thing in reverse. I don't know. That, that's kind of where my head's at on some of that stuff these days. Absolutely. And I think, you know, even when I'm teaching intuition, one of the first steps that I can give people is just go be out in nature because we're going to tune back in naturally. If we can tune back into the seasons, eat more seasonally, um, do things more cyclically, tuned into the seasons meaning like as the as the nights get darker earlier we we sort of slow ourselves down but you know you mentioned technology and all this we're staying up till 11 and and don't get me started on bedtimes <laughs> but you know like we're staying up till 11 o'clock midnight because we have electricity we have lights we have computers we have blue light coming out of our phones and our and our devices and all of this just sort of bombarding our our system um, and, and so I just think like if we can use the breath work, use the, the seasonal, just tune into the seasons again, what is it doing outside and let that be our barometer of like, okay, this is how I'm going to play my day out or, you know, you know, or, or get closer, even just one step closer to that would be great because I think we're so far removed from it often, at least the, the people that I, that I talk to and work with, like, we just don't even, we barely notice that 
that it's getting darker earlier when it starts to. So I think even just tapping into Mother Nature more and realizing, oh, look at this weather, look at this this sky today, or the leaves are falling, you know, just even that can be so healing and just almost recalibrating for the system. Um, that You mentioned the breath work too. I've been practicing this, um, and this might be nice for your listeners too. It, it's called the one minute breath. And I don't think it's by Wim Hof. It may be, I don't even know who sort of trademarked it or whatever, but I heard it the other day. And it's basically where you breathe in through your nose for 20 seconds, you hold it for 20 seconds, and then you breathe out through your mouth, like releasing anything that no longer serves your highest good for 20 seconds. And 20 seconds may sound like a lot. It may be a lot for a lot of people, but like you can start with eight. So you could do eight, eight, and eight um, and sort of work your way up. And I've just been doing that just to like center and ground myself throughout the day. And even that little shift has been so beneficial for me. Um, So maybe people could try that too. I don't, have you practiced, uh, the breath work at all or do you? Yeah. I, um, so since I read this stuff about Wim Hof, which I was just really, it really intrigued me. The things that he was doing, they call him the, uh, the ice man because he's like up running, um, you know, marathons in the Arctic and skivvies and bare, bare, like bare chested. <laughs> yeah. Like he's just I really want to do it. I'm ready. I want to do it. Yeah. I, <laughs> let me know. I am game. Be, um, but it's, um, it's because I, I just want to go like, like with you, when I heard about what you were doing, I was like, I want to go experience it because right. How do you know? Like, how do you know? Mm-hmm. Like if you check your ego a little bit and go, okay, come on. You know, and so I've, I've kind of reached that level. I, my, I'm one of those old people you mentioned earlier. I'm over 40. I've reached this uh, level of maturity where I'm willing to kind of go just learn, you know, not not just kind of shun stuff off like I know. I don't know. Like so. Um, so even with that, like reading what he was doing, I kind of like, well, let me what's the harm in trying maybe some of the breath work or trying the ice baths and stuff. And Yes, I do. I do the what he calls the Wim Hof method. I, method. I do it every day um, mm-hmm. before I work out. And for those interested, it's out on YouTube. Uh, you can search Wim Hof guided breathing. I am, and it's about eleven minutes uh, worth of breath work. But uh, you know, free divers um, are big into kind of like what what he teaches. I believe is a variant of what's called Tumo, and um, it which which was taught over with the monks in uh, in Asia and and, and and various things around meditation and stuff. But but man, it activates my aerobic system in a big way. Um, uh, I was in Houston a while back, and um, uh, Dwayne Wagner was on a podcast. I think number five. He's a Marine Corps buddy of mine. Um, he should probably laugh about this story, but we, um, you know, I went out there. He had been running, you know, and, and running routinely, and he had this 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 little four or five mile track or whatever he ran around his neighborhood. So he was all excited. And, you know, he's like, is it, we're going to go run tomorrow, right? We're going to run. Well, I had not been running. And, um, and I knew kind of maybe like Marine or Marine, he's kind of like set me up maybe like he, maybe he <laughs> knew I wasn't running. He's ready to kind of, you know, put it to me. And, um, right. but I had started doing the Wim Hof stuff earlier in the year. And I made a habit of before I work out, spend 10 minutes and do the Wim Hof method. And oh, I, wow. cause I knew that it just activated my system. Like it, I, I could walk into a workout, like starting at the top rather than warming up. Mm. So before we went out, you know, I got all ready, but I sat in the room by myself and I did the Wim Hof method for 10 minutes and man, I smoked him. And, uh, he was like, so, yeah, so we're running. <laughs> like, what have you been doing? Uh, yeah. Now? <laughs> so I'm like thinking, you know, I'm thinking he's going to smoke me. I do it, get out there and man, I'm just smoking. And, and by the end, 
you know, we, we finished like the four mile track or whatever. And he goes, dude, what WTF, <laughs> you know? And he's like, kind of like, I thought you said you weren't running type of attitude with me. <laughs> like, like, you know, just kind of like, yes, kind of like what, what, what's going on here? Like, how do you still got it? And I said, honestly, yeah. dude, I'm going to tell you, I've been doing this Wim Hof stuff. And then that was the first time I told him about it. Now he's all into it. Um, and he's like, like you said, he's like, when we go into this thing, <laughs> you know, like when we go into this, uh, escape or, or summit or whatever he does. Um, because yeah, it has helped me a lot. It really does. I see, I know a noticeable difference of when I do it, when I don't do it, but I'm doing it every time before I work out like once a day. Um, it's, it's wild. And, and so you basically do this breathing method where you, uh, take a, a cyclical, uh, 30 breaths and mm -hmm. then, um, you exhale on the 30th exhale. Um, you hold your breath and how long can you hold your breath? So, so now doing it, I can hold my breath for like three minutes. Um, yeah. and, mm -hmm. uh, like while I'm doing it and so you do three rounds of that and it, I'm sorry, after you get done holding your breath, when you have the urge to breathe, uh, you go ahead and hold your breath, take a deep breath in and hold it for about 15 seconds. Mm -hmm. And that's a round and you do that round three times. And again, this isn't, I didn't come up with this. This is Wim Hof. He's, it's on right. YouTube. Please check it out. And but, also disclaimer, don't be doing this while you're driving. Like, Cause it can oh, be intense. Yeah, when people first start like breath <laughs> yeah. work, you can pass out, like not to scare anyone, but just, it can be intense. A lot more release can happen than what you would think. I mean, just your example of your story with the running, like it, it can be intense and powerful for sure. It is. And, and certainly when I first started it, I did it laying down and he tells you all this, like make sure you're in a relaxed place. You're lying down, sitting down, whatever. Um, I feel like I, I'm, re I'm literally reciting it via script feels like, cause I've heard it so many times, but, um, but anyways, uh, yeah, you're lying down, sitting down, you go through it, but yeah, like when you first start doing it, you're going to feel the lightheadedness and whatever. I don't feel that anymore. I really don't. Um, you know, uh, so anyways, but yeah, even, so I do it now, like I say, before I work out, it brings a whole new level of energy to my endurance and, uh, uh, aerobic capacity, uh, you know, and I, I don't know what's really happening. I, I need to now probably go back to the book and, and dig into a little more to kind of like now that I've experienced maybe the result of it then learn a little bit more about maybe what's happening. Um, but there's a great book called Breath that dives into this and the, the art of breathing. And then the Wim Hof, the book about Wim Hof that's really good is called um, uh, What Doesn't Kill Us? And it goes through his whole story about like the breathing, the the ice water. Um, he's he, he takes groups and uh, summits Kilimanjaro like in one sitting, like, you know, when you go up like these big mountains, like Everest, they go up, they acclimate, they come down, they go up, they acclimate, yeah. they come down. Wim Hof takes people straight up, you know, like, right. you know, yeah. using his And they've his been methods. doing the, yeah, the ice bath. It's just so, I mean, pro athletes are doing this to condition them, their physical vessels to these levels. And it's just, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to read his book. I haven't read it yet. So anyways, but yeah, the breath work yeah. stuff I think is key. Um, I think meditation and breath work, um, we look, we're not doing it like the, the, the typical, especially I say, I guess American, you know, is not doing it. We're not breathing. Right. Mm -hmm. That's what the whole book breath is about. Like how poorly we use what our, um, our respiratory system is for, you know, um, you know, how, how we, we're holding our breath. We don't even know it. You know, like when you get an email or a text, you hold your breath, like you go, yeah. what was that? You know, and you hold your breath. And so it's, it's, it's real interesting. And I think the breath work kind of forces us to get back into a practice. We've probably lost like the others we've mentioned. Yeah. And I think also from what you're saying too, we're also, 
I think it's natural to be skeptical about anything we don't know about. You know, if it's novel and we're just learning about breath work or Reiki or spirituality or any of these, you know, more, especially the more woo-woo modalities, it's like, I was a huge skeptic. Before I moved to Virginia Beach, like I knew I wanted to learn Reiki, but like I am very, I'm an experiential being. Like until I experience it and receive results for myself and my life changes, I'm like, yeah, right, that that can't be right. That can't, you know, that can't be as beneficial or as helpful as they say. And it, but when I experience it for myself and find these huge healing benefits or, uh, you know, just transform my entire life, I'm like, okay, so there's something to this and I need to bring this back and teach others because it's not just, it's not just, uh, you know, crazy talk, I suppose. And I guess, you know, for me, Reiki was brand new. I had never heard of it before. I I, I would give Jody a hard time, like when she would talk about coming to a session with you. I'm like, are you, doing, are you, are you going to do your Ricky today? Like, you know, like, what's Ricky doing? I'm just, you know, just kind of making a joke of it. But, um, but it was, I'd never heard of it before. So what is it? What is Reiki? Yeah. So let me just give give tribute to Grey Wolf and finish up that part of oh, sure. like yeah. meeting him. And then I do want to share about um, Reiki. So like when I first made eye contact with him, I just knew that he was going to be my teacher. And like, and so far he's been my only teacher of, of these mystical arts in this lifetime. Um, I did keep my, you know, interview appointments with the other two ladies that I had set up, but they weren't it. And I did choose him. And it was just that remembering, like, I don't know if you've ever met someone where there's just this sense of our souls are remembering each other. Um, so, so when I met him, um, he sort of, he's a native American medicine man, like I said, and shaman, and he took me under his wing. He, um, taught me the, the traditional native American ways of working with the earth, with energy, with stones and crystals, and, and brought me sort of into this long-standing medicine class that he had there. So Reiki is, um, Reiki is life force energy. We basically channel unconditional love into, and I can't put words to it either. So when I put words to it, it sounds a little like, uh, okay, but you, you really do have to, it sounds, also sounds like I'm trying to sell it when I'm like, you have to kind of experience it for yourself to know. Um, but it, it's basically, I open myself up as a channel and allow life force energy to flow through me. And then the best way I can say it is it, it's unconditional love and the body innately knows what to do with that energy. It activates something within soul, within people's souls. Um, and again, like I said, he also took me into his shamanic medicine class. So I'm not, when I do a soul session, it's not just Reiki. I'm, I'm, pre- I'm tapping into, you know, the shamanic medicine. I'm tapping into the Reiki. It, but ultimately over cultures, it's the same. Like the Japanese have one form, the Native Americans have another form, um, the Celts have another form, but they're all the shamans, the healers, they're they're the people running this same energy and they've tapped in to the natural world enough to be able to do that. And I think the the results are in the pudding kind of thing, you know, like it's it's just if it works for you, great and stick with it. And if it doesn't, then that's that's there too. I don't find many people that it, they don't get some kind of benefit from it. But anyway, so he took me into his um, sort of longstanding over 10 years medicine group. And I was only 27, like 28 at the time. So being so young, they did not readily accept me. I, I was definitely one of the youngest in the group 
Um, and they were a little leery of me being too green. And I probably was like, I didn't know what I was doing. I was just, no, I wanted to learn meditation and Reiki. Um, but anyway, so, but I feel like he, in some ways saw something in me, like he knew I would carry this work far because I, I believe as far as keeping in contact with those people that I'm the only one doing this work full time. Um, so I feel like he knew that if he instilled this wisdom into me, that I would help many others along my path. And I think that's why he did it. Even when other people were like, oh, she's too young. She's not ready. Da, da, da. You know, I mean, I was, I was 27. Um, so it, I was young and I might've been too young, but, but it, I'm, I'm very thankful and grateful to him. Um, and I was determined and dedicated to, like I said, I, I, um, we won't get too much into astrology, but I have an Aries rising that just like, if I set my mind on something, I will usually get it done. Like I'll achieve it, uh, kind of thing. But his biggest advice to me was, because I was taking things so seriously was like, sweetie, you've got to lighten up. Like, you know, Native American medicine man, like telling me, honey, you got to lighten up. Like if you're not having fun with this spiritual stuff, you're doing it wrong. And I still to this day hear his voice saying that when I get like too, you know, too into it, because it's all about like bringing more joy, bringing more laughter. Like if you're not having fun along the way, you're, you're on the wrong path, like redirect, pivot. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think that applies to a lot of things we do. You it's, know? A, it's a word my clients who listen to this are going to laugh and chuckle because it's a conversation we have a lot, which is like the woo-woo word is joy. But like even a lot of what you and I are doing just through different methods, so to speak, is helping people find joy. Um, and I know that sounds really rainbows and unicorns, but like if we're honest with ourselves, it's what we're really after. And once we start to get it, like we're feeling better about ourselves. And, um, it's, it's, it's really interesting, <laughs> like say, and it's, it's perspective. It's, um, you know, yeah. Like following your passions and finding joy of life, you know? Um, but I like how you're kind of calling out like love of it, you know, I don't know. It's interesting. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's all it is. Like people, it, you don't have to overcomplicate it. Like I do attune people to Reiki. I run classes on it and teach them and activate them and they get what's called attunements. Um, and it does, it catapults. Like if you've had a Reiki session, it's like a Reiki session times a thousand. Like it will catapult your spiritual journey um, to the level that you're ready for only. You can't force anybody's progress or, or process. I've, I've definitely learned that the hard way. Um, but I would say, you know, Reiki was my first introduction to this to this world of spirituality and then the the dedicated meditation practice. And those two things, I mean, they're just so very important. Grounding, especially. But but again, you can do grounding by going to the beach, by walking on the earth. Um all of that. And then from there, so a lot of people continue to take courses and get certifications and all these things. So literally Grey Wolf was pretty much my only teacher of the mystical arts. From that point, he sort of activated me to the world of the energy medicine. Um, and I call Reiki, it's kind of in that group of, of energy medicine. Um, and, but from there I was spirit led and ta taught and to me, God source spirit, it's all one thing. So that's what I call it. Um, not necessarily spirits like ghosts. That's not what I'm saying when I say spirit. Um, but I really haven't taken any other classes, trainings, intuitive development. I've taken educational things like, like you saw on the credentials or whatever, but not as far as the intuitive development, he's been my, 
my teacher. And while Reiki is, it's a Japanese healing art um, passed down through the lineage by Dr. Mikao Yusui. Um, and then we pass that along exactly as it was taught to me by Grey Wolf is how I pass it along to my students. Um which is great, but I believe I got the medicine exactly how I needed it because as practitioners, we all have like our own, and as humans in general, we all have our own unique energetic thumbprint, which can't be replicated. You know, you see all these like holistic healing places popping up around town and people will be like, oh, are you worried? I'm like, no, I'm not. (laughs) Because I don't believe in competition either. You know, like Grey Wolf attuned me to Reiki, which is a Japanese art, but it was from his vantage point of Native American medicine and shamanism. So I got sort of the best of both worlds in that teaching. Um, And that's the energy that I carry and that I attune others to. So it's not just, I would say it's not just Reiki. Like I've had people who have come to sessions and they've been like, I've had Reiki and this is not just Reiki that you're doing over here, girl. <laughs> and I'm like, no, it's not. It's definitely not. Um, but it's been cool to see, you know, people's lives just start to like transform and snowball in ways like it's amazing to me. Like they they get they lose the 20 pounds they've been trying to shed, or they get their dream job, or they find the love of their life. Or I, I can't even explain how it happens, but I've seen it time and again where sessions sort of activate something within their soul and then their body, their physical vessel knows what to do with that energy. Like it knows what to do with life force energy. So it takes it and flies and it's just, it's been, it's so rewarding and it's just really, it's amazing to see. Um, and I could get into my, my story of my health stuff after that, but it's up to you whether you want me to delve into that. Cause that was a big part of what, uh, really got me into to Reiki because I had to heal myself first. You know, I think we all have to do that. Hey guys, Dale here. And I wanted to take a quick break to invite you to join the launch of the Lions Guide community called the pride. You see, whether it was at work dealing with the demands of the day or maintaining the demands of my life at home, I always seemed to feel like my struggles were unique. Like somehow I was the only one struggling to find joy amidst all the weight that I felt I was carrying each day. And You know, what I've come to realize is that we all have our struggles that we're up against, and it's pretty demanding. The only way to rise to those demands is to decide and make the change to adopt a growth mindset, to be what I call a high performer. And that's why I started Lion's Guide. I want to help you break through to the next level of you and your ability to not only meet but exceed those demands on you, and in doing so, find your joy again. If you're a growth-minded individual ready to make a change, then I'm here for you. And this is how you get started. I invite you to visit lionsguide.com and sign up to join the Pride. The Pride is the Lions Guide community for growth-minded members like you. Once signed up, you'll get special access to all the free content and resources I'm putting out there. You'll also be invited to join my live online events where I host sessions on personal growth and high performance. You'll also be able to engage with other growth-minded members on our private online group. Also, if you enjoy the podcast as a member, you'll get access not only to all the podcasts, but also the podcasts that have been yet to be released. So get access to all this and more. So break out of that rut, break into your next level and join me on lionsguide.com and let's grow together. Go to lionsguide.com and become a member of the pride today. Now back to the show. So let's, let's go into, um, what is, what, what is Reiki? So someone goes, what is Reiki? What do you, what do you say? Yeah. So like I say, it's, it's basically life force energy and you see yourself as a channel, as a vessel. There's a lot more to it. 
um, that someone would get in a, in a class. It's like an eight hour class for one attunement. And there are usually four levels. So you have Reiki level one, level two, level three, and the master teacher level. Um, and you're getting attunements that allow you to then channel the energy. If you decide to learn, not everybody has, you don't have to learn Reiki to come to a session. Um, but it's basically, I am, I act as a channel to the life force energy and I charge the person up. The person on the table gets sort of almost like we plug them into an electrical cell and that, that sounds awful, but you know what I mean? Like we're, we're charging them up. We're amplifying what they're working with. And for people like, you know, you and Jody, like I won't get too much into it, but you all live a very healthy lifestyle too. So I find the people who are doing like living clean lives as well, like exercising, eating good food, you know, limiting other external things. Like it really does, amplify the work we can do in a session or in in a Reiki session, basically. So, um, you know, I get some people who are like, come fix me, or I'm going to come to fix, get fixed by you. And then I'm going to go back out and, you know, bar hop and smoke cigarettes and smoke, you know, all the things, but then I'm going to come back two weeks later and get fixed again and it'll be fine. And you know, that's their path. That's where they are. And I'll still see that. I'll still work with them. I'm not picky, but it's, you know, when people are living that, when they're filling their vessel with like clean, healthy life force in the foods that they eat and what they consume, even, even what they consume, um, what they're watching, you know, podcasts, uh, TV, any of this, like it, it all acts to raise their vibration. So I see it as like, I have to keep my vibration clean and clear to be able to lift the person who comes in to work with me. Like I don't drink alcohol the night before. I don't drink alcohol very often anyway, but like, I just see it as a very, it's a, it's a dedicated practice. Like I am, they are paying me to be of service to them. And I keep that channel very clean and clear and elevated. Meditation helps me to do that. Um, and then the Reiki just sort of sort of moves through me. <clears throat> Though I will say, you know, imposter syndrome, it, it happens for all of us, no matter how how long we've been doing this work. You know, some days it's that feeling of like, is this even like, are my hands working today? Is it working? Cause I can't feel the energy as much. And it's usually those days when I just surrender into like the source energy and I'm like, okay, spirit, I can't feel it. So if this is happening, you need to make it happen, you know? And it's those days that the feedback from the client is usually like, holy cow, like, I don't know what you did today, but we need to do that again next time because that was the best session we've ever had. And it's just like, okay, you know, something, something is occurring and often me as a human surrendering to it and just kind of sitting back and letting their process unfold as it will is, is the biggest, the biggest part. And so, so I've, I've done obviously Reiki, Reiki sessions with you and you're, we're going through the chakras and, and like, what is it? What are, what are we doing? Um, did you always talk about, <laughs> you talk yeah. about my chakras are off. I still quite haven't nailed what, like what you're saying when you tell me these things. Um, yeah. so what are, what are the chakras? So the chakras are sacred energy centers within the body. Everything is energy. Even Einstein says this, you know, quantum physics is in there. Everything is energy. So in checking the chakras, so chakras are spinning wheels of light. They're often six-sided. I I could probably teach a course on this that would take eight hours. So we won't go too deep into it. But basically, they start at the root, the base of your tailbone. So you have the root chakra moving on up. We have root sacral, which is about two finger widths below the navel. 
um, solar plexus, which is at the abdomen, the heart, the throat, the brow, which is in between the eyebrows, and then the crown, which is at the top of your head. Um, and the way I check on the energy is to see if it's going clockwise or counterclockwise. If it's going clockwise, it's open and flowing. Um, if it's going counterclockwise, it's blocked, restricted, or restricted, or it's in healing mode. So we want the energy centers to often stay as often as we can to stay open and flowing. Um, it's not necessarily a bad thing for them to be going in the wrong direction or in the backwards counterclockwise direction, but it just, just to give you an example. So chakras can be very metaphysical, like something in that area. So, okay, somebody's root chakra is off. That tells me a few things. It could tell me that they're going to have, they're going to, they're not comfortable in their home situation where they're living currently. Maybe they're about to move. So they've uprooted themselves energetically already, or they could have physical, something physical in that area like pain. So any pain from the hips down, hips, knees, ankles, feet would indicate root, like root chakra would often be um, reversed in that case. Um, and it goes for any of them. So someone with digestive issues, um, the solar plexus would typically be be off. So it's physical. It could be because I, I know you always ask me that. It's physical. It could be phys- when you say, "Hey, you're you're you always tell me my root chakra's off." Um, what's the the SP one that you tell me? The solar plexus. Solar plexus. Solar plexus. Mm-hmm. Brow. Um, so run. So so there. It's root, solar plexus, brow. Uh, what's the other one too? Oh, root solar plexus. No, root sacral. So sacral is the feminine power center. That's just below the navel. Um, So root is the color of red. If you know the color of the rainbow, so it's red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet. Um, So there's seven main chakras. There's actually hundreds in the body, but we'll just go for seven. So um, (laughs) yeah, yeah, just the seven. Um, So so sacral is that governs. So so I'll just go through them really quickly. Root governs like. Again, what I just said, grounding to the earth, feeling solid and stable on our own two feet, walking forward in this life, um, again, could be physical where it's pain in some, in some area from the hips down. Sacral is crea- it governs creativity, sensuality, sexuality, flow. It's the feminine power center, so it's also receptivity. Um, solar plexus is, and I'm, I'm, off the cuff with this. So I'm just trying to remember all the things. Solar plexus governs like our ability to have clarity around life purpose. Um, It governs thoughts. Um, Career often is governed by solar plexus. If it's reversed, it can be an issue with a masculine in our lives, past, present, or future. And it can also be an issue with our own masculine energy. Same goes for the feminine power center. Um, Heart is, is, uh, when it's open and flowing, fills us with like kindness, compassion, unconditional love, not only for others, but also for ourselves. That's really important because I think a lot of people, you know, that internal dialogue, and this is just the psych background coming in there, but our internal dialogue is not very nice sometimes. We would never talk to some talk to someone else the way we talk to ourselves sometimes. Like, ah, you did, you what an idiot, you know, da, da, da. But so just kind of shifting that to be more kind, more loving, that that can open up the heart center. Um, and there's lots of things. I mean, you could you could get into it so deeply that like colors will activate certain centers, crystals, foods. Um, there's, there's a tie in for all of it. 
Um, and then so throat allows us to speak our highest truth and feel heard in this lifetime. If I see somebody with a reverse throat chakra consistently throughout sessions and sustained, like let's say over a course of a year, over the course of a year, and they come twice or three times or twice a month or like maybe once every three weeks, something like that, and stays stuck, that usually will indicate thyroid or a thyroid issue. So I just say, you know, next time you go to the to the doc, just get it. Next time you have a physical, just get that checked. Um, though I will say I had a girl, she she was, you know, probably two and a half years she had been coming to sessions. Throat chakra was always reversed, always reversed, always reversed. One day she comes in and her throat chakra is wide open. And I'm like, girl, what you been doing? And she was like, oh girl, I spoke my truth. You know, and I'm sounding really country when I say this, but like she had it out with her, with her boyfriend, with her man, or I don't know if it was her fiance or what, but that weekend they had it out. They had an awesome discussion, maybe a bit of a fight. And all better. Like she was all better. Their, their relationship was all better. Like it just, she had some stuff she had to get off her chest and she had to speak it out for that throat chakra to open. And they're still together. They do great, you know, but she, she learned how to speak her truth. And I think in any relationship that can serve us, you know, whether it's a work relationship, love relationship, anything like that. So that can tie into throat chakra too. Brow is usually like sleep or intuition. It governs anything with the eyes, ears, nose, um, ears. So if somebody comes in with a sinus infection or um, pain in their right ear, brow chakra will often be off. It sounds very, it's like, how can you know all that from just this? But but it's just kind of feeling into the energy. Um, and again, it doesn't, it sounds really far-fetched and out there until it actually is right for like a thousand people. And then you're like, okay, maybe there's something to that. <laughs> maybe that's that is a thing um so yeah so i got root uh sacral solar plexus heart brow throat is there a seventh one? Oh yeah and then the crown okay. so crown okay. is our connection to spirit basically our connection to akasha which is all that is above us um whether you believe the sky heaven um, the more ethereal realms of things. So it's your connection to higher power, whatever that belief is for you. It could be the tree. I believe in the tree as my higher power. That's fine. Um, I'm not saying I do, but I'm just giving you examples. Some people, you know, even, even, even an atheist could get benefit from this kind of work. You don't have to be a believer. And oftentimes, it, you know, I have the best results with um, people with military backgrounds, mostly because they come in super skeptical and then they leave like, whoa, there's something to this. Like the military guys that I get, especially that have tried, you know, because most of the people I get have tried everything to everything that you could try Western medicine, allopathic medicine to balance and get straight. And, or, or sometimes people don't want to go the allopathic medicine route. They want to stay away from pharmaceuticals and they, they just want a different option to not only heal, because I do get people who, um, you know, they're not coming in with any kind of health concern, but they want, they want to heal and, or they want to, um, just elevate themselves to their highest and best good, whether it be in career, in relationship, in, in whatever that is. So it just helps to elevate their energy to the highest level that it can be. And the body innately heals with that. So, um, I don't know if I, uh, if I went over crown deep enough, but that's, that's that. So somebody who maybe like grew up in a very religious context in a very religious family, and maybe now they're like, 
considering like other things or maybe maybe there is something else out there that I wasn't taught about or that I didn't explore, I haven't explored yet, um, that their crown could be also headaches. So that's just a more general physical. Somebody has migraines, their crown is likely always going to be reversed. But Reiki is amazing for certain ailments too, like headaches. Um, and that's why I love teaching it, especially to parents, because then they can go through, or animal parents, it doesn't matter, kids, um, but they they can then use that for their kids. Like I, I used to date a guy who had a four-year-old daughter and she loved when I would run Reiki on her. And if he got a headache, I could run Reiki and within like 10 minutes, the headache would disappear, you know? So it just, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. I can't really explain it fully. Well, I'm glad you like, can't explain it because I, <laughs> I, I can't explain it. I still can't. It's just, it's really experiential. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Yeah. I mean, you can, you can open up to it and, but it is intuition, Reiki, it, it's all, it's like a muscle and, you know, you go to the gym to, 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 I don't even know what you say, grow your bicep or strengthen your bicep. So the same with intuition, the more we listen, the more we tune in, the more we uh, activate and actually use it. So if you're asking for signs or, okay, spirit, show me a white feather within, or maybe even something bigger that show me, I don't know, a certain number, and then it might come. Um, but the more it comes and the more you get that affirmative um, response, it grows your trust in it. It grows like, whoa, okay. Like you with the dog situation, like you had a dream about it or you had a vision of it and then all of a sudden it came. So that strengthens your, that in itself strengthens your intuition because it's like, whoa, that actually happened to me. And it's very, very common that we don't believe it or uh, subscribe to it until we experience it for ourselves, you know? Yeah. I, um, I, I guess it's, it's like, a, I don't know, a, an awareness to not be so passive about our dreams and these, mm-hmm. like, like you said, the intuition, I, I like how you use that word the best, I think, um, the, the, you know, these feelings that we have and just kind of set them aside and not really, uh, acting on them or giving them much credit or whatever the case may be. Um, but kind of like exploring that maybe, maybe, you know, asking why you feel that way or what that, what that was about rather than kind of, you know, the, the woo woo, as we always call it, you know, wouldn't we woo. Yeah. But. And I think now I really love teaching, you know, my work with sessions with clients is teaching them how to do this for themselves. Because I do, I believe this innate healing capability. And when I say healing, I'm not saying, I've got a stomach ulcer. I need to heal it. I mean, it can be a part of it, but could also be, I need to heal this facet of my life. Like my relationship life is messed up right now. So I need to heal that or bring that back into a state of balance. And the energy has an intelligence to it. So it just brings everything within you first back to a state of balance. And then that begins to emanate out past your physical vessel into like your interactions, your relationships, your family. Um, You know, we, we could talk all day about ancestral lineages lineages and and healing those i mean you can literally heal your dna and heal past and future we won't get that woo woo today (laughs) we just won't um but you know what i mean like i love to teach people how to activate this within themselves um because i believe that we can all do it and and don't get me wrong it's still blissful and wonderful to surrender into a session with someone um but at least then you know that you have the capacity to to have that healing ability within you and to 
and that the energy is activated, I guess is what I'm, is what I'm trying to say. Um, yeah. And, and I, I, so I would just say grounding meditation and Reiki are two of the most important. And, and I would totally, there's a good book called, um, wheels of light. If people have interest in learning more about the chakras, hands of light is actually, she's, but it's by Barbara Brennan. Um, and that one's a really good one. She does scientific studies. I want to say she's a maybe not a doctor, but, um, there are people now who are doing like scientific psychological studies on the effects of Reiki and energy medicine and how it affects the physical, um, body, uh, the same area of the brain that governs imagination is this, is, um, the same area that governs intuition. Yeah, no, it's, it's deep. And like I say, it's, it's, but it's it's very interesting and it's it's very experiment experiential. That's mm-hmm. the right way you say that. But um, yeah. but with um, with regard to grounding meditation, because I know that's that's another thing that you teach and and, and and you guide people on. Like, what? Why is meditation important? Uh, you know, and because Reiki, so so now I'm feeling like I'm getting a little smarter about it. Reiki <laughs> is you channeling the, the energies and 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 working on the chakras. Um, and, but meditation, like what, why is meditation important? I feel like meditation is probably one of the most important for me, if not before Reiki even, um, meditation was the only thing that kept me healthy and well in the beginning of this grounding meditation, especially don't, you know, people do, there's all kinds of like Kundalini activation meditations. I would, I would caution against that, especially in the beginning, because that can really make like loop people out. I feel like any meditation we do in the beginning, and again, this is just my opinion, my experience of it. Um, and I can only speak from that point. Uh, but it should be drawn through the crown down and then we ground into the earth. And I know, you know, um, about my meditation class that I hold, uh, which will be virtual hopefully soon. I, I just need to, I need to get tech savvy, Dale. I'm not the most tech savvy. <laughs> um, I could speak it, but I, I'm not the most tech savvy just yet. But anyway, so um, with guided grounding meditation, um, we just draw the energy down through each one of the chakras. Uh, I take them th- on like a visual journey, clearing everything. And it's also an energy transmission at the same time, but we ground into the earth. Um, and the earth, again, it, it has, it's the ultimate healer. Um, it has the capacity to heal us of everything uh, very quickly. So if we can tap into that, and our whole lives are so, you know, electronic and frenetic a lot of the times we're, we're we have a phone on us probably 90 percent of our day i know i do i'm awful i stick it in my back pocket they say you should never do that oh, really? but you're not you know, supposed to like, do that that's so what i do no like you're not <laughs> apparently it's like i don't know that's a whole other controversial <laughs> subject but either way how like, else am just, i gonna carry the stupid that what do you right, mean right i know <laughs> um grounding probably better back pocket than front but either way so just grounding is the the earth has the capacity to transmute um, so, and alchemize any frenetic energy, any negative energy, it is, it is our biggest healer. And I think that's why for me, like in work and career sessions have been so successful. Cause I talk to a lot of practitioners who do this work and they're like, but I don't know how you get like return clients. And I just, even out in LA, like I'll talk to practitioners who are energy medicine healers and they're like, I don't know how you get people to come back. And I'm like, I don't, how do you not? Like, I've never, I don't understand that part of things. So it's just like, cause I feel like if the work is working, 
people will come back. Like I've never advertised. I've never marketed what I do. This is the first time I've even spoke about it, spoken about it out loud, really, um, aside from in sessions with clients. Um, so it's just, but it, it's, yeah, it just works. The, the work speaks for itself, I will say that. So grounding meditation, basically we're drawing light through each one of those chakras that I mentioned before. We're anchoring it to the core of the earth in our in our mind's eye. And someone may not see all of those things in the very first meditation. It may take them, like if I do a chakra, I used to do a chakra meditation class. It was seven weeks. Every week we would meet for an hour. Every other week we'd meet for an hour and we'd go into one. We'd go over the the whole of one chakra, which I might start doing again because I think people may need it now. But, uh, and where was I going with that? Sorry, I lost my thought. Um, but yeah, so we take the light down through each one of the energy centers and anchor to the earth. And it just, it's kind of like a session in that it just brings everything back to a state of balance. And, and I should say too, you know, this path of spirituality is not the path of least resistance. Like it has been probably one of the most tumultuous, uh, darker spaces that I could have chosen. It's never easy. It's not all sunshine and butterflies like, Oh, I'm doing Reiki now. And I'm da, da, da. I've seen a lot of dark stuff, you know, and it is, it comes with it. We're not bypassing the shadows here. We're going straight into the shadows to say, oh, let me heal this. I don't know what other word to say besides shit. Let me heal this shit from the root out. You know what I mean? And and really get at what the root of, of, of this is. And that could also be like the psychology background of like, I just, even in clinical psych, when I was doing specializing in addictions, like I didn't ever feel resonant with the way they were teaching it because it was, we always were bypassing, like, what is the root of it though? Like at the root of all of it, everything is either fear or love in, in my experience of it. Like it's either the pain is rooted in fear or the fear is rooted in pain. And so if we can, if we can clear that and get to the root of what's causing it, um, it the other stuff just sort of uh, flows out. And, and like I said, that's not easy. It's not, people who sign on to this work, they're, they're not taking the easy way out. But I also feel like compared to talk therapy, it's a different way because someone can lay on the table, we can go in and heal it and clear it like for good. Um, and I get people who have been in, you know, clinical therapy or talk therapy, counseling therapy for 10 years. And they're like, I'm just doing this now because I did more in three months in Reiki sessions than I've done in eight years with my therapist. And, and that's not to say, I think it's a great, I think Reiki and therapy go hand in hand. I'm not saying ditch your therapist and come to me. What I'm saying is it's a supplement. You know, we're all looking for that thing that's going to help us feel our optimum best and live our best lives and vibrate at the highest capacity possible for our physical vessels. And whether that be in career, in our physical physicality of things, um, love, relationship, any of it. And it just, I feel like it, it does that pretty smoothly. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it does like, again, can't explain it. I know I come out. How do I come out? I come out, uh, feeling better. I don't, <laughs> And, and not even like I walked in feeling bad. I, I, right. I, I I'm elevated. I, I don't know. You know, yeah. again, I can't explain it. Even, even with us going for an hour here, like, you know, I still can't, you know, tell you, but other than, yeah, go experience it. The, um, when it comes to the meditation piece, and I know I've asked you this in person and I, I don't know that I've still even grasped, grasped the answer. Like, mm-hmm. what are we trying to do? Like, <laughs> 
when I'm meditating, oh, man, what, what am you I trying to, to do? Like, what, <laughs> You're trying to do nothing. Right. That's the hard part. <laughs> you're not. Try- so, but here's the thing. A lot of people talk about, oh, you're not meditating unless your mind is, is completely clear and, and you have no thoughts. That's false to me. Like I've been meditating for, I don't even know, 18 years. And like it, you will never have zero thoughts going through your head. If you have zero thoughts, you're probably dead. Like that's just the way it is. So I think the best best I can say is that we sort of get to this point where you can you can uh, turn down the volume on all the stress, on all the thoughts. Like I just know for me, sitting for – 20 minutes in the morning set, sets my whole day on a different trajectory than if I skip it. Um, and I've talked to, you know, high profile business people that I work with and they're like, after a few months of like meditating or Reiki or both, because it's a very similar, it takes you deep into that transcended space where the thoughts sort of quiet down. They never really go away. And people get frustrated with that. They're like, I can't sit, I can't do it because my monkey mind just, you know, keeps going kind of thing. Um, but, but if you can just slow it down, the things just begin that used to bother you just sort of roll off your back. I imagine like a duck and you know how the water would just kind of ball up and sort of roll off their back. That's how I feel, or that's an effect of what a long-term meditation practice can offer someone. It's like someone who would come at you with a stressful thing or, a um, maybe even attack you in some way or make you reactionary normally after a few months of these practices, you're kind of like, whatever. And not in a, not in a apathetic way. We still care, but we're just like, I'm not letting that bring down my vibe because it took me a lot to get here right now. And that's not going to bother me today. So I would just say, I don't even know what to say. I'm just like meditation. I, I feel like is grounding meditation in itself is probably the best thing I've ever discovered. I think it's, uh, yeah, it saved my life. Where where would someone start right with, with grounding meditation then? Like if, if if someone's hearing this going, yeah, I don't meditate. Sounds like maybe I should like, where, Mm -hmm. where does one start? So I started with like a guided meditation and then you can get to the level where you no longer need a guide, but I would say a guided a guided meditation. Um, and you can find there's tons of, um, practitioners out there that practice it. I have every two weeks, a longstanding meditation group. We meet in person, um, here in Maryland, but excuse me, uh, eventually I plan to have that recorded and virtual so that anybody from around the world can tune into that if they wish. So there's tons of teachers, um, teaching mindfulness and meditation, but I would just make sure or, Pick someone who's doing a grounding guided meditation, if you do, because there's a lot that can sort of, the same way we're raising our vibration. So they say that the, or or in my experience of it, the more anchored we are to the earth, the more we can sort of allow our imagination, our intuition to venture out. Like the further we can journey out, the more we can see in our sessions or meditation, um, the more grounded we are. Sorry, I don't think I articulated that very well at all. <laughs> no, I mean, I, no, I think it's yeah, you're right. I mean, and then what you're doing, and then you know, online, there's there's stuff, and uh, and, and again, that's back to what we're saying. That's how I learned to do the Wim Hof stuff. Like he has a guided, yeah. you know, breathing. Like it's it's on YouTube, and and so maybe that's where to start too. Is just just 
clearing, centering, whether that's walking, you know, you, you could even do a moving meditation. That's why many people, you know, they get their biggest downloads, spiritual or intuitive people. When you talk to them, they'll say, oh, I got a download. This is going to sound a little woo-woo, but in the shower or where they're out walking without any kind of like external stimulation or sound because it allows the brain that space to sort of process and receive. So even if you're going to do, you know, Wim Hof breathing or one minute breath or just getting still and maybe even setting a timer on your phone to have two minutes of breath work at, you know, 11 a.m. and two minutes at 2 p.m. And even that would give you that space that you can then, um, you know, sort of begin to receive, begin to receive. I feel like, uh, yeah. Yeah. Like I, you tell me if I'm wrong and maybe just to throw this out there as an example for people, like when I do it, I lay down now, like you, you mentioned sit down and I think there's some validity there. Like, cause you know, if you're going to kind of focus on the light quote unquote, and kind of coming in and, and to the crown or whatever, like I get that, yeah. but like the sitting down, like, do you sit in a chair? Could you sit in a chair and do it? Oh, or? okay. So when you ask about meditation, you're asking like the basics of like what we're doing. Okay. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, I'm, that I'm too. Going <laughs> sorry. Um, yeah. So the way that I, I prefer to do it and the way that I teach my students is um, getting a meditation pillow and you can use any, med- any pillow really. But the key is when you're sitting for it, and a lot of people don't know this too. Yoga was originally developed so that the ancient yogis could sit in meditation for longer. These asanas were not developed. These postures were not developed to strengthen the body and get all fit and do headstands and these things like it is now. It was developed so that they could sit in meditation without their body, without their back hurting. You know how if you sit on the ground to wrap Christmas presents or, or whatever your belief is, you, you, if, if you sit on the ground for long enough, you're that kind of hurts. It aches a little well, bit. That's why I don't sit. I, I, that's why I don't right. sit and meditate. As I'm like, I, I try to yeah. do 30 minutes in the morning. You taught me the RPM, right? Rise, pee, meditate. That's great. So yeah. I try to go down and I go down in the basement. It's quiet. It's under, underground. And like I throw on my, my headphones. I do white noise on YouTube. Good. Yeah. And, um, but I lay down. I can't sit down because I get tired of sitting, you know? So yeah. So you may try, and the problem that people who lay down will find, they'll find that they're falling asleep. And granted, you're still getting all the benefits of meditation if you fall asleep, but for beginners, I just feel like it's better to to start sitting up. And then if you if you decide to like sort of slink down to the floor halfway through, then that's fine too. But but at least you're starting there. But get yourself some kind of like firmer pillow. It doesn't have to be a meditation pillow, but they work best because you're raising your hips above your knees. So you're sort of sitting um, Indian style or however you want to call it on the floor and your spine is kind of long, uh, with the meditation pillow beneath you. And again, your legs don't have to be crossed if that hurts your knees or whatever. And your hands are sort of open facing up to the sky. Um, and just go into that breath work, go into any kind of breathing, white noise. I also prefer no noise. So like I'll either have, I'll put earplugs in so I don't hear the trash truck next to you. And I live in town kind of thing. So, um, and, and I also really like the, the thing that helped me a lot back eight years ago was wearing an eye mask. I really like um, having it completely dark. I see without seeing. So my third eye is very active. Even That's why I keep session room very dark too, because I see more with my eyes closed than I do with my eyes open. So many people might see more in their meditation if they have their eyes um, covered in some way, like with a sleep mask or something like that. 
Yeah, that's what I like about my setup. Uh, like I say, it, what, so were you saying like, uh, I think in yoga, what's it? You have the bozal, is it like that bozal block or what's it? What's the thing in yoga? The big yoga pillow is that called a bozal? Oh, the bolster. Bolster, yeah, yeah. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. Knees? yeah. Yes, yes. So I've got one of those, so I could use that for example. Or is that not tall yeah. enough? No, that's perfect. Yeah, cool. Yep, that's absolutely perfect. The other thing that you might like is a, uh, you know, the blocks that we use in yoga. Mm-hmm. That those are really nice to sit on. I mean, it sounds a little bit like, oh, that's not really comfortable, but it's it's really kind of the perfect height to just get you up a little bit so that your spine doesn't hurt. Right. I, I have one that's like it's called Hugger Mugger. It's a really I don't even know if they still make them anymore with the whole, you know, everybody's short short on product right now. But um, yeah, I, I like that meditation pill. It's filled with like flax seeds or something like that. I don't know, but uh, I just I really like sitting on. I I couldn't sit for twenty minutes or an hour if I didn't have something under under there. And, and even if in a crunch, if my meditation pillow isn't in the house for some reason, I'll just pile up two regular pillows that are, you know, a little bit stiffer maybe and, and use those. Um, but just getting still, even you asked where people should start. I would say, even if you work in an office and you cannot do anything other than like turn, close your computer, turn your phone upside down, put it on, you know, do not disturb or whatever, and just breathe for two minutes. It, you'll you'll find with regular practice. You know, I know um, we both did the seventy five hard or whatever. It's that. It's like adding that little uh, habit into your life. Like you're changing your habit, you're changing your routine, and in time, it just gets a little bit easier. Like I remember when I first started meditating, I was dating my ex who was in the Navy, and he would go off to work really early in the morning, kind of thing, and I would sit up in bed you know, six or seven and I would meditate and it was painful for me to meditate. Like I was like, Oh, can this be over now? I'm like at 10 minutes. I'm at 20. Like I literally had to force myself to do it. And then one day after like a couple months of really just like getting myself into that space of doing it and who knows if I was doing it right. It doesn't much matter, but I was doing it. It clicked after like three months, all of a sudden something clicked and I was like, Oh, that's what this is about. And I just, I've fallen in love with it since then. Uh, maybe that's the same with a lot of things we do, but. No, I think that's awesome. I mean, yeah, no, I think this has been really helpful. So how are you helping people today? How can people find you, get in touch with you and so on? Yeah. So I've just this past week started this online community called the Aura Room. It's free, completely free. Um, and it's a community to basically discuss all things spirituality, wellness, intuition, business, holistic psychology, all those things. Because I found with people in sessions, yeah, I didn't even realize where, where time was. Um, we've been long. Uh, but I just didn't realize, or I, I've started to realize over the years of dealing with clients in sessions, nobody has any outlet to talk about this stuff with anyone else. Like we come to sessions and we talk about mystical or intuition or how to heal the body, body, mind, wellness, you know, these things. And then they go home and they're not going to talk about it with their husband or their wife. Because like you said, in the beginning of, you know, when Jody started coming, it was just kind of like, we get a little picked on if we start. So it's just, it's that safe and not that you haven't opened to it since then, but it's just that when we don't have the outlet to talk about, I think it's important to create that. So that's there. It's called the Aura Room. Um, They can go to, I'm trying to think of the link. It's, uh, well, that'll be in the show notes, right? That kind of thing. Okay. Um, And then there's, I'm starting a podcast too. Uh, I don't know how well it will be 
uh, in the beginning, but that's just, a, it's going to be called Sapphire and Soul Podcast. And we'll just, again, be talking about all things spirituality, um, mind, body, space, wellness, and and basically how to manifest a life of bliss. Because I think, you know, the thing that we're all here to be of service doing is is teaching people or guiding people on how to live their best lives. And a lot of us are lost when we come to that, you know, we, we don't know how to, to get to that. But ultimately, I think a goal for everybody is we want to be happy. We want to be loved. We want to be happy and we want to walk in joy. And uh, anything I can do to help people get back to that a little bit is, is my mission. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I mean, congrats on the podcast stuff. So that's uh, totally cool. I didn't know that. So um, in the community, I'm going to check that out as well. And and I'm sure everyone else will. And I hope, you know, I think this conversation has been great. So, um, you know, it's, <laughs> luck. So, so was it so bad? I mean, we will be real here. No, yeah, I've see, chilled you're out all a little nervous. bit. I've chilled out a little bit. And I do, I really love teaching this stuff. So if anybody has questions or they're a newbie to anything spirituality, feel free to email me, reach out in any way. I have courses, uh, you know, I've been teaching meditation and Reiki and shamanic practices for almost 15 years now. So it's, it's kind of like, just reach out. I'm, I'm pretty pretty down to earth about all of it. And I would love to help guide people in any way that I can. And no, this, this podcast being on yours has really opened me to like, oh, okay, I can, I can do this. It's not so bad at all. Look, once you got me going, I didn't even want to stop talking. So <laughs> yeah, you did great. Now this has been awesome. And so it's, and, and now like I say, it's been an honor to have you on here and I appreciate you kind of coming out I of the really show with you. me, I, you know, and, uh, and, and biting, biting the, uh, the, the hook, so to speak, I hooked out there to get you to come on and, um, I appreciate it. You know, I'm glad you did it. I hope you enjoyed it as well. And, and it's going to, like say, having these conversations so people can kind of hear and learn and uh, pique their interest. And I, I you know, someone out there is going to hear this and it's going to help, you know, give a little push or uh, calling to maybe try some more of this stuff out and, uh, and get, get the benefit of it. So I, I thank you for that. Yeah. And thank you. I'm, I'm grateful that you invited me on to share and, um, like I say, just be of service any way I can. So it's been, it's been fun. Thank you, Dale. Yeah, definitely. No, it's been great. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll wrap it up. And again, thanks so much, Elizabeth. <laughs> <laughs>